Well, awesome. I'm going to jump into this message, and uh, I just want to say, though, that this church is for people who love God. This church is for people who are yet to love God, and we are praying for every single person here that you'd experience the beauty of Jesus in a significant way. Like I said earlier, we don't really care about your past. We care about your future, and so I don't, I don't care if you've you know been far from God or you've been hurt in the church. We believe that this place is a place of new beginnings. And so thank you for trusting us this morning. Thank you for maybe seeing a Facebook ad or seeing a flyer or having a friend beg you to come with you and you came and you took a chance on us. That means a lot to us and we don't take that lightly. And uh, today I'm going to be sharing out of a couple of scriptures. I'm going to read starting off with Hebrews 11.1 1, and the scripture says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we're going to be talking about dreaming. We're in a series called Dream Again. And I like this scripture. It says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And without hope, that's telling me it's impossible to have faith. And for many of us in this room, we are living in a reality that doesn't have hope. We've been hurt. We felt rejected, we felt cast aside, we've experienced disappointment, and even talking about faith and God and all this is difficult because we don't have hope. But I believe that many of us have experienced new beginnings and have had hope for the gospel, hope for church, hope for relationships. We've seen hope come back alive in our hearts. And that's why we're calling this series Dream Again, because we want you to dream, to believe that your best days are ahead of you, that there's a reason for hope in Jesus. And through that hope, we can have faith as the substance of things hoped for. So let me pray and we'll dive into this a little more. Father, we seek you this morning. We love you. We pray that we would be able to dream again. We pray that for every heart that's hard or broken, I pray that it would be softened and healed and that we would be able to dream again and believe that you have great plans for us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen. So in the last year, we've seen baptisms, salvations, people who are going to commit suicide not. We've seen people get married. We've seen friendships form. We've seen a lot of amazing things happen in this place as we dreamt about starting a church in a comedy club. And I want you to get the power of that statement. We started with a dream. We moved to Bellevue with a website and a dream. Our first meeting was three people. We were just a bunch of weird people, brown people walking around parks saying, hey, you want to help me start a church in a comedy club? People are like, that's kind of weird. And we're kind of weird. It was a big task, but the dream was alive. And now, in the past year, we've been able to see so many dreams come true. So many different things come to pass. And it started with just writing down a dream, making it clear, and seeing how so many people could run with it. You know, in the church, when the first church started 2,000 years ago, the first person to preach to that thousand group gathering, he said, hey, this is fulfilling what God had planned for us all along. And he said, in the church, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all my people, and I will give them visions, and I will give them dreams. 
And it's like when the church started, when Christianity started, the first sermon basically said, I need my people to have a dream. I need my people to have vision. I need my people to believe that the best days are ahead of us, that we truly can make a difference. And that is something God is calling for all of us. And so we moved to Bellevue, we have this dream, and we don't have a lot of money, we don't have a lot of people, we didn't know what we were gonna do. And we're, we're trying to fundraise, not only recruit people to join our team, but we're like, hey, will you guys fundraise us? We're putting things online, we're speaking at different churches, and uh, not a lot of money is coming in at first. And then we have a crazy idea. You know, the Bible says without vision, People will perish. How you're supposed to write down vision, make it very clear, and then people can run with it. And so we decided, hey, what if we made our dream very clear for lots of people so that they can run with it, especially in the area of fundraising? What if we started an Amazon wish list and we write down all the materials that it took to start a church in a comedy club, like, you know, a keyboard or like uh, all the cafe, cafe items and just so many things that make this thing happen, a truck, you know, and so we write it down on our Amazon wish list, a dream list, we make it very clear, and it's got so many items, and we had to make a, a decision, should we aim low, and just like kind of do the bare minimum, or should we put some crazy things on that list, like this Nord Stage 3 that didn't even exist yet, didn't even exist. It was about to come out the latest, greatest, super expensive. We're like, we would never buy this. But what if we just make the dream very clear and put it on a list? And so things are kind of coming in. Everybody's buying like little things like, I'll buy that napkin. <laughs> I will I'll just get these little items. And we started to pray for big items. And uh, Amritha got this message, Pastor Amritha right here, she got this message on Facebook from John Smith, no profile picture. Not creepy at all, right? <laughs> and so she's like, ah, this is super creepy. They're wanting to meet and connect. And she prays, okay, if this person is like wanting to get involved with Kalos, I just prayed that they would reach out to us on our official website so I don't get kidnapped. And I, and I was like, yes and amen. So I, I'm reading through our, our emails. <laughs> I'm reading through our emails and I, I get an email from, you know, this John Smith person. I'm like, hey, I, I would love to connect with you. And they respond and say, uh, well, we don't want to connect with you. We, we're, we're interested in maybe getting involved with the church or something, but I don't want to meet with you. I want to meet with your wife and your child in a park alone. <laughs> and so, like, as a loving and protective husband, father, but also as a church planner, I said, you're going to that park, honey. <laughs> we're starting a church. We have a dream. <laughs> so she goes to that park and has a conversation with someone for like 30 minutes. It's this beautiful girl and her kid, and they talk, and I'm like, hey, did you connect? We're like, yeah, kind of connected, but it wasn't like we were crying and hugging. It was just a real casual conversation. She's not sure she even wants to help us with the church, and uh, we're talking at home, and an hour later, I get a, a notification on my phone that we have an email, and we see this message that brought us to tears. The message says, hey, check your Amazon wish list. And we saw that this person that Pastor Amritha met in the park for like a half an hour bought over $40,000 of our most expensive audiovisual equipment 
on the Amazon wish list. Can we give it up to God? <laughs> Including the Nord Stage 3. And how many of you will agree? The Nord has blessed us. Bless the Nord, oh my soul! Hallelujah! <laughs> so we love the Nord in this place. And it's amazing when you have this wild, radical dream, you make it clear, and then you sometimes see it come to pass. And I, I want to talk about this phrase, dream again, and purpose, because I believe that there are dreams inside of your heart. There's a purpose inside of who God has made you to be. In fact, I don't believe God makes mistakes. I believe God made every single person in this room on purpose and for a purpose. I believe God has a plan. The scriptures say that you are God's masterpiece, but many of us walk around like we're not worth anything, like there's no destiny, like our best days are behind us. But I want to let you know, your best days are ahead of you, that God has a plan for you to prosper you, to love you, to fill you with life and joy. But many of us walk around in a couple of stages. Some of us, we just have no dream. We, we don't know why we're on this earth. We know when we were born, but we don't know why we were born. We don't know our purpose, our destiny. We don't know if we're worth anything. Many of us are just walking around with no dream. And I, I felt like this for so many years. You know, my family, they were refugees from Sri Lanka. I was conceived in a trailer park on accident. And I, I just remember thinking, I, I'm just an accident. You know, my sister's name is Pradeepa. They planned to have her. I was an accident. My name is Pradeepin. They just added an N. They're like, that's good. <laughs> That's good enough. Let's just add an end. And so for so many years, I just felt like an accident. Like I didn't have a purpose and I didn't have a dream. And that's one of the reasons in my early years, I, I just felt like suicidal. Like if I died, nobody would even care or notice. And there are people in this room, you just have no dream. There are others in here where we would say we have a, a delayed dream. Maybe when we were little, we used to think, oh, man, when I'm older, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and I'm, I'm going to go after this. And It's interesting with kids. You don't really have to teach them to dream because we were created by God, and we we're born dreamers. But somewhere along the line, we just kind of grow stale, and we compromise, and we start living the American dream instead of God's dream for us. We start, you know, choosing fun over fulfillment. We start choosing career over calling. And, and, and it's just like, it's delayed and we get comfortable and we start to think smaller and we say, I, I thought I'd be doing this by now. And that's why it's so important for even me to recharge and remember why I'm in the ministry, why I want a family, why I get up in the morning. Others of us are in the category where we would say, you know, I you know, I just have a small dream. I don't really think I'm, I'm worth much. And it's like this idea of the American dream. Like, my dream is just to make money. And I'm, I'm not against money. I, I love it, like, for buying food and paying rent and being able to provide for my family. You know, not the love of money, not that kind of love, but in case you guys are going to quote me on that scripture. But I, I love that I can provide for my family. But I, I, I realize, like, my career is different than my calling. Fun just you know, hitting a bucket list is different than fulfillment. Like, money is great for living on, but it's not great to live for. Does that make sense? And so I, I feel like many of us have bought into this kind of small dream where we're just trying to be comfortable 
We're just trying to get by. We've been domesticated by disappointment. Maybe we, we stepped out in faith one time and it didn't work out, and so now we're afraid to dream again. I, w- I want to show you this video of how kind of weird it is when we dream small. Hey, uh, Eli, can you play this video of these kids talking about their when dreams? I grow up on a file all day. I want to climb my way up to middle management, be replaced on a whim. I want to have a brown nose. I want to be a yes man. Yes woman. Yes sir. Coming sir. Anything for a raise sir. When I grow up. When I grow up. I want to be underappreciated. Be paid less for doing the same job. I want to be forced into early retirement. I love that commercial, but isn't it weird when kids have these like kind of small dreams? You're like, I want to work my way to middle management. <laughs> I want to be a yes man. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like many of us have fallen into this trap though, including me, where we're just like not dreaming. But this is what I, I love about faith and hope. It's like, you know, when we have an encounter with the beauty of Jesus and we realize God has a plan for us, We are filled with hope. And with hope, we can have faith to believe that God didn't make me as an accident. There's a plan for my life. And many of us would also say, I have a a vague dream. It's big, but I don't really know. You know, kind of like this Amazon wish list, and that's one of the reasons we made it really clear so that people could jump on it. The scriptures literally say, like, hey, without vision, people perish. So write down the vision plainly so that others can run with it. And if you remember something today, it would be this. If you can, make a list of the God dreams God has placed in your heart. Make a list and you'll see them come true, just like the Nord Stage 3. It's amazing. But for those of us who maybe have no dream, a delayed dream, a small dream, or a vague dream, I want to talk about how can we get vision? How can we dream again? How can we find purpose? How many of you guys would like to walk in the God purpose for your life? Amen. And I, I just really believe it's possible. And this is the fear. This is the quote that haunts me in my life. It's kind of a life quote. It haunts me. It's by this guy named Les Brown. And we'll put it on the screen. And it talks about the graveyard being the richest place on earth. So I'll just read it. The graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step, keep with the problem, or determined to carry out their dream. Isn't that powerful, convicting? And I, I don't want the best of my dreams and my talents and my purpose to stay in the graveyard, amen, who's with me. I don't want that. I want, I want to rob the grave. I want to die empty. I want, I want to leave my best, all that God has prepared me to do, all the purpose God has given me, I want to contribute and add value to this world, amen. And so I want to help you to find your vision, to find your dream. And so I want to read this scripture from Mark 8, and this is small little story about Jesus encountering a blind person. And I love Jesus. I feel like we're going to learn a lot of lessons in this passage. And uh, Jesus is amazing. Let's check it out. In verse 22, it says, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. 
They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And I know this story is about a physical healing, but I believe that there are some spiritual truths about us finding vision for our life that we can apply here. And I believe that it will be really powerful. So I have three points. First one I want to share from this is this. Jesus wants to take you by the hand into a new experience. And even when you don't see it like this blind man, Jesus is holding your hand. And so this group of people, they bring their friends to Jesus, and it says they beg him, Jesus, would you please help our friend? Would you please restore him? And without even hesitating, this is our Jesus, he grabs the blind man by the hand, and he leaves the crowd, he leaves the village to take care of this individual. And uh, sometimes when we are blind and we have issues or struggles, and maybe it's not just about vision, but maybe it's addictions in our life, or we're embarrassed about how our marriage is, or we feel like failure as parents, or we just are addicted to maybe some narcotics or a sexual addiction, things that are bringing us shame, and we feel like I have all these issues. If I set foot in a church building, like Jesus would never want anything to do with me. The people of God would never want anything to do with me. And they're taking a risk. They say, Jesus, we, we're not sure. And they, they felt like they had to beg him. They said, hey, can you look at our friend? And without even hesitating, Jesus grabs him by the hand. And he goes into a secluded place with him. Did you know that Jesus still wants to reach out and hold you, even with all your issues? especially with your issues, that Jesus, he didn't come for the spiritual elite and all those who have their life together. Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the blind. Jesus came for people who have issues. And guess what? I'm one of them. You probably discovered that already, though, (laughs) that I'm one of them. And Jesus does not hesitate. And even like this blind man, when you don't see it, Jesus is holding you has a plan for you. He will heal you. He is eager to be with you. The fact that you're in this parlor comedy club at a church service, for many of us, it's a miracle, right? You're like, what am I doing here? How did I end up here? And I just want to let you know, I think Jesus has already had your hand tight in his grip, and he's leading you because he knows he has a plan for you. You know, my, my family, they're from this tropical island, Sri Lanka. There's a civil war, tens of thousands of people around them dying. I could just tell you so many horrible stories. They become refugees in Minnesota. They have a hard time adjusting. They go from tropical island, paradise, to snowy Minnesota, and there's no Hindu temple for them to worship at. They're practicing Hindus. They didn't speak the language. They didn't have the education. They had a lot of issues, and tragically, they decided we're going to commit suicide as a family. My mom, my dad, and my sister. So they start looking for bridges. And one day, my dad's sitting on a park bench downtown Minneapolis. A pastor sees him, sees his fist, says, what's going on? My dad tells him about all of his issues, and he doesn't hesitate. He says, okay, you're not going to end your life. You're going to live with me, my family, my wife, my three sons in our trailer park, and you're going to see that Jesus has a plan for you. And so my family didn't commit suicide, and in fact, they conceived me in that trailer park. Glory to God. Come on, somebody. You all came from somewhere. 
just by being in this room, by about, you competed against like a million little guys to be here and you won. Okay, you did it, you win. God has a plan for you. Don't think about that too deeply. It's just true, it's science. Okay, it's science. And anyways, so this pastor leads my family into experiencing life and life abundantly and that's where I got a chance at life. And I, I later on became a suicidal kid in high school. I was getting arrested, like over 40 detentions. My freshman year in high school, friends were selling drugs out of my basement. It was just a mess. But you know what? Jesus grabbed me by the hand, and he brought me into new life. And I experienced hope in life. Even with all my issues, I found that Jesus still loved me, and the church still loved me. We don't care about your past. We care about your future. We want to see God's best for you. And if you're without vision, you don't think life can get better. Let me tell you, with Jesus, your life can get better. And even when you don't see it, Jesus is holding your hand. He has a plan for you. He sees you. He notices you. He wants you. Can I get a good amen? Amen. The second thing I see in this passage is this. Jesus is unconventional. You know, miracles are messy. These Friends, bring a blind person to Jesus. He takes him by the hand. He brings him outside the village. And they're thinking, all right, Jesus is going to, you know, lay his hands on me. Maybe then I'll be healed. Maybe Jesus will say a word. But you know what he does? He spits in his eyes. Do you guys need a demonstration? (laughs) All right, so Jesus takes the blind man by the hand, and he... I don't want to do that. <laughs> he spits in his eyes. How awkward is that? You're like, yeah, that's, that's the guy I'm following. <laughs> if you're the disciple. He spits in his eyes. But you know what? That's how it is in our faith. Faith is surely a process, right? And it's a messy process. It's not an event, and miracles are messy. You know, my wife and I have a a two-and-a-half-year-old son, and he's been having some diarrhea issues. Come on, can we be real in the house of God? Anybody with me? You got some kids with diarrhea? How many are sitting next to someone with some diarrhea issues? All right. (laughs) And uh, we're like, okay, we started giving him these supplements, and uh, it's actually been changing. We've been trying to help him with his gut health. And it's been changing. Uh, this might be TMI, but let's go there. He, it's, it's been changing the inside of his stomach. And uh, it, it's changing his poop. And instead of diarrhea, it's becoming more solid. But what's happening in that process of him finding healing is that during nap time, the solid poop is more uncomfortable for him. And so he's learned how to take off his diaper and smear his poop all around his bed and on himself, matted in his hair, and it's solid. We're happy that there's healing and that his gut is getting better, but this miracle is a little more messy than we're comfortable with. And uh, I can't help but wonder, like, oh my goodness, should we go back to the diarrhea? (laughs) Because, like, I think two weeks ago, Four days that week, we had a poop-covered kid, and he's scared by looking at our face, and he just wants a big poop hug. And I'm like, I don't want that, son. And it's hard to tell where the poop is because his skin is brown. And if you're la- if you're laughing, you're racist. If you're laughing, you're racist. But that that's our reality. It's just nasty. White people, do not repeat that joke, okay? Just let me help you out there. 
<laughs> Let me just help you there. <laughs> but the, the miracle is messy. Can I get a good amen? The miracle's messy, but I'm glad he's being like restored to proper stools, right? I'm happy for that. I, I would prefer it another way. And with Jesus, like, I can't help but wonder if people are like, Jesus, I wish you would heal me like this. I wish the process would look like, like a little more orderly and clean. You know, I wish the church was perfect, but guess what? The church, the place where a lot of people encounter the beauty of Jesus, they also encounter a lot of messes because as soon as you find the perfect church with perfect people, I'm going to be there and I'm going to mess the whole thing up because I have issues. And if you're perfect, this church really isn't for you. Like, because we are here because we need Jesus, amen? And if you have issues, you're in the right place. And if you're going through a process of just exploring who Jesus is, maybe you're in here and you don't even know if you believe in God or Jesus, hey, welcome. This is a safe place to explore faith. This is a safe place for messes. And I'm not kicking my son out of the house because he's going through a process. In fact, I am cleaning him up every day and washing him. And my wife is pregnant right now, so she plays the card. I'm too nauseous to clean him. I'm like, ah! All right, here we go. <laughs> Faith is a process and not an event. You know, and then, so Jesus, he, he doesn't heal this person maybe in the timing they wanted, and he doesn't heal them in the way they wanted, but he was still in the process of healing them. And you might feel like a little depression or low-grade depression or feel a lack of hope, but I just want to let you know, if Jesus has your hand, he's going to take you through the process of healing. Some things you'll be set free of right away. Other things are a process. And that's why we don't just do a big Sunday here. We have small groups so you can take your mask off and be with people and walk hand in hand through the process. It's why we have something called Crash Course, which will be 15 minutes after we dismiss here. So we can see how we can walk through this faith journey together. Because our faith is not like a one and done kind of thing. It's a process. Amen. Everybody say faith is a process. Say miracles are messy. Amen. Pray for my son. The third thing we can see in this passage of Jesus is Jesus says once more when we think it's over. I love this. Jesus spits in this guy's hand and he says, hey, can you see anything? And the man says, uh, I can see, but the men look like trees. And then Jesus prays for him once more, once again. Everybody say once more. Jesus prays for him once more, and then he finds true healing. It's a process. It's not just an event. It's a journey. So he sees people like trees, and I just want to stop here a little bit. I think it's so interesting in this passage that uh, this man says, I see people that look like trees. And here's, here's the question we need to ask ourselves. How did this man know what trees look like? How did he know what trees? He was blind, right? Well, that tells me he, he was able to see once before. And I think that's how many of us are. We used to see Jesus clearly. We used to see a, a full, healthy life and body for ourselves clearly. We used to see our marriages and, and believe that they're going to be amazing, or our children are going to be amazing, or our finances, or our, our friendship life, or our, our career, and all this calling, these dreams. We used to see clearly, but somewhere along the line, we got tree sight. Or we got no sight. There's farsightedness, nearsightedness. This guy had tree sightedness. He had once seen before. 
But somewhere along the road, he lost his sight. But then Jesus, he prays for him. He sees trees. But when this guy is probably thinking it's over, Jesus prayed for me, it didn't work. Jesus prayed for me, I went to that church, I tried it, but it didn't work. Or I asked Jesus into my heart, but I still have issues, it didn't work. Jesus said, whoa, 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 let me pray for you once more. How true is that so many times when we say it's over, Jesus said, once more, amen. He says once more, because our God is the God of once more. I don't care if you give your life to Jesus in this place and you mess up tomorrow. Jesus still says once more. I don't care if you used to be a Christian, now you're not. I don't care if you've done the most vile of things. Jesus says once more for your life and that you can dream again, amen? He has a plan and a vision for your life. And no matter how tarnished it's been, no matter how far you've strayed, Jesus says once more for you, once more for you, once more for your marriage, once more for your finances, once more for your children, once more for your dad, once more for your family, once more for your school, once more for your work, once more for your health, once more for your future, once more for your healing. That's the Jesus we serve, amen? Come on. You know, I just... I had a moment like where I had to learn that we should never put a period where God puts a comma because there's always a once more. We should never put a period where God puts a comma. I remember after graduating Bible school, I moved to Colorado Springs and I wanted to serve a church. I became a pastor there. I was serving day in day out, and I was serving in the morning, the afternoon, and nighttime, and you know, in the church, I experienced a lot of messes, I was pretty immature, and I just got hurt in the church. People who are supposed to be holy and loving and following Jesus, they said the most mean things to me, it shattered me, it just, I was like, you know what, God, I'm done with the church. I, I know I'm a pastor. I know I've dedicated my whole life to studying this. I got the degree, but I, I've been so hurt by the church, I, I'm just done. And so in a fit of rage and anger, I moved to Korea to get my master's in education. It's just how I process. <laughs> and so I, I didn't go to church for like a year straight. I was just done after being a pastor. Wasn't, wouldn't even really regularly attend, wouldn't plant, nothing, just you know, living, living La Vida Loca. And uh, I, I moved back to Minnesota, and there was a church plant that my youth pastor started. And he said, Pradeepin, hey, why don't you just come to this church plant with us? And you know what? You don't even have to serve. You don't have to do anything. I, I just want you to experience love and healing. I want to make God look good, is what he said to you. And uh, Amrita and I, we just simply attended that church. It was called Harmony. We just attended, and we didn't serve, really. But through that process, where we had put a period, we saw that God was putting in a comma. And the church, in our Colorado experience, it really, really hurt us. I'm going to be real. It really hurt us. But let me contribute this to you. The church also healed us. Jesus said once more, where I said it's over. The church hurt us, but the church healed us. And I'm so thankful. And I believe that the church is beautiful. I believe that Jesus is beautiful. I believe that you are beautiful and that God doesn't make an accident. But you are made on purpose and for a purpose. But do you know why? Are you able to dream today? I want to challenge all of us to dream again. Get a God vision for your life. 
Write it down. Make it clear so that you can run. And one of the first things Jesus did is he grabbed the hand of the blind man and he took him into a new environment. And some of you need a new environment so that you can have your sight restored. And I believe that Kalos Church can be that environment for you. We are filled with people that want to love you, help you, help you find Jesus, help you walk out the God dream in your life. That's the only reason we're here, to make known the beauty of Jesus. And part of that beauty is the plan he has for you. Will you dream again with us? Will you surrender your life to Jesus? Will you help us make known the beauty of Jesus? Will you dream again? Will you believe that God has a plan and a destiny for your life? And where you said it's over, I believe that Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us right now and saying, once more, once more. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we thank you so much for the ability to dream, to have vision, to have purpose. And I pray right now in this moment, you would stir again those dreams. Lord, I just come against anything inside of us that says that I'm an accident or I have no purpose. And Lord, I pray that you'd restore sight and vision. Restore sight and vision. Restore hope. You know, I realize that there are people in here, you feel far from God and maybe you've never given your life to God. And what I'm hoping for, my dream is that you would surrender your life to Jesus. I'm going to, in a moment, count to three, and I want to pray for anybody here who's saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to believe in his plan for my life. I feel far from God, but I want to feel close. I want a fresh start. I want hope so that I can have faith and I can live full of life. So on the count of three, if you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, and include me in that prayer, pray for me that I would surrender my life to Jesus, that I would follow his plan for my life. Would you raise your hand on the count of three, and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything crazy like that. I'm just going to pray for you. So on the count of three, lift your hand if you want to surrender your life to Jesus. One, two, three. Lift it boldly so I can see. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, yes. Yes, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Raise it. This is a safe place. This is an environment where Jesus can grab our hands. Lift it so I can see it. Amen. Yes, I see that. All right, you can put your hands down. So proud of you. And uh, hey, we're going to start the process of surrendering our life to Jesus. It's not just an event. But one of the first things I want to do is I'm just so proud of you is I want to lead you in a prayer. So let's pray this all together, especially if you're praying this with your hands raised at that point. So let's say this all at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause for people finding their new beginning, having their sight restored, believing that God has a plan for them?